0: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shortliffe. This show is heard on Uh, Heard every Monday night at 7.30 Eastern Standard Time on WBCQ, The Planet, shortwave broadcast out of the beautiful Monticello, Maine, in Arista County. It's also heard on IPMNation.com every Saturday at 4 p.m. and on YouTube on the Camp Constitution YouTube channel. This uh, show was brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among other things, runs a week-long, week-and-a-day-long summer camp program. Next year's camp will uh, take place where it has since its beginning at the beautiful Toa Nippy Christian Retreat Center in Ringe, New Hampshire. And we have a great lineup of instructors, including uh, Reverend Stevie Craft and Garrett Lear, the Patriot Pastor. And we got an all-day field trip. Uh, we plan to go to John Adams Homestead. And a lot of challenging things as well. So uh, you can learn more about that on our website campconstitution.net. We also have uh, the uh, the honor of archiving much of the works of the late Sam Blumenfeld, a pioneer in the homeschool movement. And uh, he he uh, left his uh, library to us, and uh, we're good stewards of what he gave us. And a lot of his works, his newsletters, his speeches he gave all all 50 states and a few foreign countries, warning people about the education establishment. We also have his Alpha Phonics, where you can actually teach people to read phonetically, 128 lessons in audio and video, as well as the Alpha Phonics uh, book on PDF format. So uh, please t- t- check that out, campconstitution.net. Uh, Well, our guest today is somebody that I actually met about seven or eight years ago at a function down in New Jersey, and we shared the time on a Christian radio station uh, in Syracuse, New York, or Rochester, New York, about ten years ago. And I recently had the pleasure of attending his service in his church, Atla, All the Land Anointed Holy, uh, in Harlem, and uh, this is the Reverend James David Manning. Uh, Reverend Manning, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Uh, it's good to be with you, Hal. Thank you for having me. Well,
0: um, uh, by the way, uh, Reverend Manning's uh, his program, the Manning Report, is on YouTube. Uh, you've been doing it well, since about 1908, 2008.
1: Uh, yeah, about that time we got started, yes. And as a result of some of the,
0: I would say the truths, and you say hard things, but like the Lord, it, some truths have to be hard. And uh, people have referred to you as an Uncle Tom because you're hard on blacks, but you're also hard on whites. I right? Some of your videos, and you're speaking the truth. One of them that really hit home was uh, you were you were saying, what's wrong with you white people for having leaders like Glenn Beck when you had people like George Washington? And it's sort of humorous, but at the same time, uh, the, and I, look, I don't look at these people as leaders. They're sort of self-appointed leaders, these people that claim to be leaders of a movement because they have a talk show and they sell books right overpriced poorly written books for the most part uh, <laughs> in fact glenn glenn <laughs> textbooks which i don't even think he's writing he's ghost writing they're dumbed down they're like sixth grade reading level
1: yeah uh, true yeah
0: and uh and so uh and also um you made a comment on the fact when the show that we did back in it was about 10 years ago you mentioned that most blacks are racist and yeah. uh, it was it was interesting because i did a little history uh, there was an incredible book that came out right after the Korean War, and it was called Brainwashing by Edward Hunter. And this is the man that most likely coined the term brainwashing. And he had a chapter, it was called The Negro it was POW. Of course, that term Negro was accepted, it was a neutral term in those days. Right. Uh, and he said um, that the communist captors gave special attention to the, to the black POWs. They wanted them to turn against America. They showed them films of the Ku Klux Klan and Jim Crow, all the negative things that went along uh, with, with uh, you know, the, the racism in, in the United States. And, but they only got one or two that actually defected. And they learned. they said that the black American is two things that kept them from turning. One is that they have strong religious convictions, and two, that they lack the capacity to hate. And I think the enemies of our nation, most of which have white skins, by the way, uh, learned a lesson from that. And it wasn't a few years afterwards that some of these militant-type organizations, I mean, the uh, the black Muslims, which, by the way, was founded by a white man, uh, they've been around since the 30s, but they really didn't have the big event outside of a couple of cities, Detroit, Chicago, maybe. They got a guy, um, Malcolm X, he came on the scene, and he got all kinds of media coverage and and then you had the groups like the Black Panthers and many, many other groups. And, you know, I just think what does what the Bible say? So what does is, what is, what is the, the Word of God say about uh, in the book of Proverbs? I think it's Proverbs 6. He says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven are an abomination to him. And one of them is hands that shed innocent blood and uh, brothers, men who saw a disorder among brothers. And uh, so I'd like just comment on and make some comments on that, if you would.
1: I. Yeah, the the fact that black people are racist, I think they're the 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 uh, the epitome of racism. Racism for black people is uh, has been and developed over the past fifty or sixty years as a cottage industry. Indeed, uh, most of the income that flows into the black community can find its roots in racism. And without racism, I think the black community would be be bereft of 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 supporting itself. Um, Lyndon, President Johnson, said in order with uh, working with Adam Clayton Powell at the time, Congressman from Harlem, uh, what, was, yes. what was known as the uh, Great Society, and uh, through that, uh... billions of dollars, trillions of dollars, rather, have been poured into the black community. There have been. Uh, over the past 50 years, a trillion dollars a year. Of course, that's not just black community, but to so-called poor and underserviced and underprivileged persons in America. But the majority of those people are are, are black people. Um, and the 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 other item is is most of the income, as I said before, that flows into the black community flows in as a result of some sort of racist policy, whether it be through affirmative action, whether a black lawyer. Uh, goes to a school and becomes a lawyer and 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 gets affirmative action grading. It's it's so racism is a way of life for black people, where it may be an afterthought or a response from other people. It is definitely a way of life uh, for 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 black people. That's that's and so to, to, and, until that's understood, it's going to be very difficult to deal with the race issue um, uh, uh, here in America. Well, oh, interesting. When I visited your church,
0: I felt welcomed, like I was a longtime member. I didn't sense any hostility. Uh, I saw uh, ladies dressed the way Christian ladies should dress, attractively and modestly. I saw young young children and uh, joyful, also well dressed and respectful. And uh, so, I think it's it's possible. And I know that uh, it, with, with with good people like you, that you can we could. Uh, Put a stop to this, or work to avoid. And it's interesting that the these leftist progressives—they're always trying to fight racism or smash racism. You don't smash racism by angry demonstrations. You got to change the heart, and that change the mind. And that's one of the things. And they purposely—I think—they know that they're not really trying to fight racism. They're trying to cause more of it. Now, i I lived in uh, I live in Boston, and I was a high school student, junior high school, in, in the height of forced busing. My parents, I, I, used, a, I used to, I said a racial epithet when I was a little boy, didn't know what it was, and my mother slapped me, and she said, you know, we're all God's children, you don't say that, and I thought, oh, boy, I won't say that anymore. So that's the house I was raised in. My dad had a small business. He hired a young black man, and there was a lady uh, with a Scottish accent that didn't like the fact, and he, and my father was a very mild mannered man. I mean, he grabbed her by the arm and threw her out of the store. So that's my background, but during the height of force busing, I saw the communist groups, the Progressive Labor Party, come into Boston, and their their allies, called the neo Nazis, and causing racial animosity. I remember fishing in South Boston, which uh, was a you know a very uh, one of the areas hit by forced busing, where I used to go with Me, all my fishing buddies were all blacks, and as soon as the forced busing came around, the blacks weren't they were afraid to come to South Boston, and if you drove through Roxbury, you'd be dragged out of a car, and it was just a miserable situation. All to implement something that was unconstitutional this idea of uh, in order to have a good education you have to have white faces in the room to me that's insulting if I were a black person and someone said the only way you can get, a, get, in, get ahead is to be with a bunch of white people I'd say what are you talking about that's, that's ridiculous so, so I, I look at the racist issue is manufactured and of course we have a sin nature we're always going to have racism unfortunately but when you see people in powers places of authority that promote racism and i think our current president is one of those people that enjoys promoting racism and interesting uh, chicago don't they have a, a mayor who used to be a member of obama's staff
1: i used to be the chief of staff
0: of uh, rami Emanuel. Emanuel. Rob Emanuel. Yeah. yeah and there was an incident in chicago and i think you mentioned you addressed that in one of your programs and now the Justice Department—I call it the Department of Injustice—is going to investigate the Chicago Police. So Obama is investigating one of his own guys, and it's the notion that all white, all policemen, most of them, you know, if they're white, they're automatically out to get the uh, get blacks, which is, I think, is ridiculous. And that doesn't keep in mind that there are incidents of police brutality. There's no question about that, but it's not rampant. It's not widespread, and we certainly do not need the Justice Department that should be investigating themselves to um to look into something like this
1: well i think that the the, the problem in fact i know that the, the problem is uh that you're always going to have racism i think um and, and by by that i don't necessarily mean that racism within itself is a negative uh ideal i i i i don't think that the many of the, the people from from japan would necessarily have ill feelings towards people from india um, or, or vice versa, or other types of persons. However, when it comes to Negro people—a term that was neutral some time ago, uh, but has now become a, a word of disparaging because of the because of racism—there's um, a lot of baggage attacked, attached to uh, to black people. Um, and it has to go back to God it, 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 in order to solve the problem. Black people are going to have to take this matter back to God, and and the world's going to have to look at this as well. Uh, it, namely, when you look at the continent of Africa and you look at its social development over the past two, 3,000 years, uh, you will notice that its development is not on par let's say with the continent of europe or or north america or even south america for that matter when you make a comparison socially and when you look at the if if if, if humanity is going to be judged on a scale of of social development then then africa will come in at the low end of social development at the bottom of the totem pole that would then be began to cause people to reflect upon people from that particular continent of social development as being subpar, which would create a whole lot of other things. I, I guarantee you, if if the tables were turned, if uh, Africa as a continent uh, and its social development was uh, like what's happening with North America and, and with the United States in particular – and the United States, on the other hand, was of a lower social development. But but uh, or, or, or England, for instance, let's just use England, uh, the United Kingdom, was on the par of let's say uh, Uganda, Nigeria, uh, and 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 Africa, the Uganda, Nigeria, on the par of of, uh, of 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 America or England at present. You would the racism would would be reversed. It would be. Um, it It would be a different structure uh, so so when you look at the you look at where this, the 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 social development of both the, of these nations and africa being at the, the, at the bottom black people coming from africa as a as a root uh, land that is a part of the uh, the problem a part of the resentment and it finds itself uh explained in so many other ways because the then the people that come from africa uh, demonstrate a lower social ability even if they're in europe or if they're in america uh, tend to demonstrate a lower social ability uh, because they bring their same talents and skills which are not comparable in many ways to those of europe now i'm, I'm not saying that this is a, a forever curse it's something that can be worked with but it's something that's going to have to be acknowledged it's a conversation that you don't hear when the pundits or the politicians are talking about racism they're saying we just need to create laws to create more justice uh, so that through a creating laws or creating, a, creating affirmative action, that people can then be on the same path. nothing can be further from the truth. We're going to have to go back and look at this very painful truth that I just talked about in terms of Africa, not being able to be socially developed along, and, 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 and along the intellectual lines, along the social lines, cultural lines, as other nations, if you're going to have the same kind of a respect. Uh, But the whole process is all backwards, and the pain that's associated with racism is is not really looked at. So when people hear me talk, they say, well, you know, know, he's a hater. He hates his own people. He hates his own race. He hates black people. Uh, That's one of the things that they say about me most. Um, But it it isn't that I hate, it's just that I'm just trying to uh, help us understand, first of all, that even with the works of Dr. King and others, uh, the problem of racism hasn't been solved. In fact, if you look at where we are since Dr. King, we're far worse. We were better as a people uh, before his I Have a Dream speech. We had stronger families. We were less violent. We were not imprisoned at the same rate. Uh, we had a better sense of uh, of, uh, of of social uh, respect. Uh, we've gone off the rails since Dr. King and the Civil Rights and Social Movement. So well, I think it was I think
0: it was Walter Williams uh, in one of his articles some years ago. He said that the Black American that they survived slavery, Reconstruction, and the Ku Klux Klan, but the welfare warfare state is killing them. Right, and he's absolutely right. Well, something uh, to that effect. Yeah, yeah. The great society, the great society, which is uh, the welfare state, is killing the black family. And um, uh, yeah, so uh, getting back to it, you mentioned Africa, and uh, you actually been to Africa a few times. You went yes, to I, Liberia. I, I, I've been there several times. Yes. South Africa. So you're speaking with someone, but it's been my observation that many. Sub-Sahara Africans. When the, I, I have some friends from South Africa, uh, some folks in my church over the, the South Sudan, they have such incredible moral standards. And when they come over here, you know, and it's it's a culture shock when they just put on our TV set or pick up a, a magazine, and uh, it, it's incredible. So, uh, so I, I tell people, I said, forget about sending missionaries to Africa. They got to be coming over here to evangelize because. You know they haven't been, and on the homosexual issue as well. It's, uh, I mean, it's not nearly. In fact, my my friend uh, Scott, um, Pastor Scott there, uh, lively, went over to uh, Uganda, and uh, you know he spoke to the assembly there, and they passed the law. Uh, and he caught. Now they want to sue him because they think he's was promoting hatred and ha- killing homosexuals. But over there, it's just it's just something that uh, I think they're very much ahead of us morally. In the, you yeah. know, compared to where we are today. So.
1: Yeah, that's on that particular issue. Yes, uh, but there, are, and as you very well know, Barack Obama, Hussein Obama has been advocating or actually threatening uh, African nations uh, that, that, that unless they. Uh, began to uh, uh, adopt uh, homosexuality as a lifestyle of humanity, and and and, and humanity, uh, I suppose, is is still, uh, that he is going to withdraw whatever support America gives to these nations. And many of these nations have pretty much remained steadfast, but others are beginning to crumble a bit under the under the pressure. Uh, But right now, I think I said in Uganda, in Nigeria, and and, in I think several other nations, I can't think of them right now, have very strong anti-homosexual laws. In fact, you could be put to death. uh, What's interesting is uh, communist China does not allow, it's
0: illegal for homosexual behavior. And that doesn't seem to be an issue with the progressives and socialists and the neocons. They love communist China. And uh, uh, the Muslims on exactly wearing the uh, rainbow burkers do they they're pretty hard against the homosexuals yet all of these progressives and leftists love the muslims and i thought I, I was trying to figure out why and i thought the answer was very simple it's because they have a common enemy the common enemy is christian america and that's why they work with the Muslims. But the Muslims, uh, they'll work with these folks, but they don't have a great love of the, uh, you don't see too many Muslims marching in the so-called
1: gay pride parades, do you? No, you're not going to see it either. Muslims throw homosexuals, I call them sodomites, by the way. Right, well, that's... They throw uh, throw uh, them off the roof. Uh, You're definitely not going to see that. Uh, (laughs) I think it was... I forget now, the late, uh, not the late, but the former president of Iran said that uh, Mahmoud uh, Ahmadinejad, that was his name, said they don't have any homosexuals in Iran. I'm sure that they do, but they definitely would never present themselves as homosexuals because they'd be instantly executed. Uh, But, you know, we have major social problems going on in America, and I think the biggest racist problem that has happened in America has been the election of Obama. He was elected simply because of his race. Uh, and it has stirred up more racism in, uh, uh, over the past seven years since he's been illegally placed in office. And well, you pro- know, it's
0: not, it's, it's not just that, but it's also the uh, affirmative action, which you mentioned earlier. Now, uh, here's a white guy. Hey, I'm qualified for this job. You talk about equality. I'm all in favor of that. If that black guy has more experience or that black lady or whatever, hire him, but don't hire him because he's black. And then what happens is a stigma. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the fellow black says, "You just got that job because you're black, uh, not because you're better." And so it's a lose-lose situation. And if we talk about equality, let's talk about equality. That's inequality. This idea of reverse discrimination—that's—that's that's, well, that's still discrimination, and it's still evil. There's no such thing as reverse. It's either discrimination. It's
1: discrimination bottom line, whether it's white versus white or black. I'm still I think to that discover, a lot resentment. Uh, I'm still trying to discover why on earth would America. Ever do something as racist as uh, affirmative action because it has, as its very premise, the fact that people aren't equal. So therefore, you have to raise or lower the playing field, whichever is appropriate, uh, because people of themselves are not equal. And that's a that's a statement that says inequality uh, exists. So let's make it equal through some other process. I can't imagine why I I, I loathe the idea of affirmative action because it is a confession of being unequal uh, to some other person. If, as you just stated, uh, if a person is an engineer, whatever it is, he's better qualified if he's black to get a job, then hire him. But don't hire him over you simply because he is black but less qualified. Uh, that's, I mean, I can't imagine why that still stands and that America has not been up in arms over that issue, why it ever became a part of the way we do things in America. But it is. And because racism is very much alive and well, and it's going to remain that way for quite some time to come. Well, I know when the uh, equal, right, the
0: 1963 or 64 Civil Rights Act was passed, I think it was the senator from North Dakota, McGovern? Is it McGovern? Or well, Humphrey. And he said, if this sets up quotas, I will eat my hat. Well, he never ate his hat, but it did set up quotas. And I think that's the worst thing that could have happened. And I want to mention, too, that... Um, The founder of the John Birch Society, Robert Welch, wrote an essay. It was called To the Negroes of the South, and he was raised in the South. And he mentioned, he just gave fact, he got most of his information from Ebony Magazine from the 50s and early 60s. And he mentioned how many banks are owned by black Americans, how many churches, how much real estate, how many millionaires, how many college graduates, and on and on from slavery up until 1960 that right. the, the american black has made more progress than any group of people in the history of mankind all, even with all of negative things the, the jim crow right. and all these right. other things oh, that's right. and and much progress was being made and it was what booker t washington said in his uh, great uh, autobiography that when you have something to offer the world they won't ignore you that long
1: yeah. and
0: eventually these things it, it, everybody well, we want it now we want it right now we want complete equality right this second but it doesn't work that way because of our human nature. And uh and, it was, and so so all these great things were all these great strides were made. And you look at baseball, uh they broke the color barrier. You didn't have demonstrations. Nobody, I didn't see one white liberal protesting in front of the Red Sox in the fifth Well, I was was I was born in 59, but there's no record in history of that happening. What happened was that uh, hey, there's some great bo- black ball players. Let's get them up here into the majors. And, yeah, there were some problems, but eventually no one even gives it a second thought. The NAAC, AP, uh, NAACP didn't have to get involved. The federal government didn't have to get involved. It was all done by the people in the private sector, people of goodwill. And that's how we're going to fight racism. It's not going to be done by groups like the, the Southern Poverty Law Center. It's going to be done by folks like you in the churches. And we're going to, you know, a spiritual uh, change of what where we look at things. That's how it's done, it, not angry demonstrations or affirmative action.
1: Well, you know, you're pointing up what the, uh, the founder of the John Birch Society was able to point up needs to be talked about um, with the pundits today, but they don't do that. They don't acknowledge the amount of real estate that was once owned. Uh, if you compare it to the present, since Dr. King, the, uh, the, uh, the, the absence of real estate, the absence of churches, the absence of... Of um of of the the culture to, the, that was so prevalent even through Jim Crow, and I remember those period that period. I remember colored water fountains. I remember colored schools only. Um, but wh- and, how? You know, I, mean, I
0: would say that those uh, schools were probably superior to the junky school, the public schools in New York City today.
1: No, there's no doubt about it. There's absolutely no doubt about it, uh, which would then contribute to—I mean, you, you, to a greater society, a more moral uh, people than well, because the schools today, are, the public schools in New York City, and i am suppose sup—I'm sure in in Boston as well—are armed camps, and I'm not sure any education gets done in most of these these schools. But By the way, you ha- you, your church runs a school, is that correct? We do. Yes, we do. Is it a K-12 or a it, elementary? Yeah, we do. Go from kindergarten to 12 to the 12th grade. Yes, we do. Uh, let me ask you, uh, do you use phonics in your, in your classroom? Uh, as a program, no. Uh, we, we have a program that we have designed that works extremely well. Uh, it's called okay. the MAD programs. Uh, it's the acronym for Memory, Articulation, and Discipline in the Learning Process that is to say that we understand that uh, the human brain the human capacity has the has the ability to memorize uh the, and re- remember things that is taught and then of course uh, the from there from memory we then have to either articulate either by speaking or by writing uh okay. or exercise what we have uh, remembered and and then discipline being the program the part of the program that helps keep both of those in focus, that for instance, a discipline the, we teach that well while you're in in class you're to focus on what's happening in class, and when it's time to play basketball or be out on the, on the uh, whatever it is in the park, you'll focus on that, and so we te- teach, we train students how to discipline themselves to gather as much impo- information as possible. The human brain has is a major uh, uh computer, if you will and and then how to speak well, how to write well, how to think well, how to articulate, how to remember moment-to-moment inspirations. And so that's that's the program that we use.
0: Okay. The reason I ask is I was uh, willing where Camp Constitution would like to donate, if you're interested, um, some Alpha Phonics books that we got from Sam Blumenfeld's estate. But we can talk about that off off air. Um, anyway, um, so we only have a few minutes left. This is one of the half fastest half hours in radio here. Um, but we would talk about the Jim Crow and the amounts of uh, progress. It was interesting. One time, I was on a I was doing a radio show in Rhode Island, and it was a, a black gentleman called up, and we was—we were talking about, um, you know, this this reverse discrimination. And I think we talked about Jim Crow laws. And I said Jim Crow law was really a sense of socialism, where the government, local government, said you can't ride on the bus. And he said, "Ask me what the answer would be." I says, "Well, the answer would have been, and it had, was, it was the case with, with Major League Baseball. You form your own bus company.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Uh, you
0: for, you know, and you had your own uh, baseball league, and absolutely. it was a good product. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, okay, I don't think there was anything wrong uh, with being a ball player in the Negro League. If you were a good ball player, and uh, I mean, yes, it's too bad that there weren't that you weren't open up to the major leagues, but that's fine. You still had your own league." And, and that was that was an approach. You know, I took a trip to Motown, the museum in Detroit. It was a wonderful story of free market enterprise. There's a guy that got his money from his family, except one of his sisters, and she didn't trust the guy, and he, she became his accountant. And they would uh, within a short time, there was a million dollar, multi million dollar business, and the people loved to have their entertainers because they were wholesome and clean. And they had a bus down, and uh, they were they were being uh, fired upon by the Ku Klux Klan. And the fellow said, we just simply fired back. And guess what happened? the friend, and I don't think he was trying to make a case for the right to keep bear arm. Then he mentioned a hotel in Atlanta, and he said that they had a gig, you know, they signed a contract, and they just said, nope, we're not, forget about it. We don't want you, all the clientele are black. Well, in a couple of years, they end up buying the hotel, you see. Yeah. So uh, how do you, and, that, and what's the best way to overcome that? You, that's how you do it, through the free market. And that's what you, I know, that's what you promote and that's what your school promotes and your church promotes, and you say you own property, you don't own everybody money, you have a business, you're going to have a stake in this country, and that's, that's the way to be. That's, uh, I think, one of the key things to your ministry, and Atla is to get the people in Harlem, and all over the world, all over the country, to get out of debt, not to be dependent upon government, by your right. own buildings, by your own property. Right. By, you know, that's a beautiful church building you have there, and uh, it's, it's just incredible. I was so impressed by the, the building. Yeah. It's, it's just the one outside and inside. It was very well done. Well, uh,
1: thank, you, thank, you, thank you very much. Well, well, I guess we're out how, of time, so quick, very quickly, uh, how can people get hold of you? Oh, they, can, they can log on to that's atlah.org. That's A-T-L-A-H dot org, A-T-L-A-H dot org, and from there you'll be able to find what you're looking for.
0: All right, well, thank you for being a guest. We'll, we'll do it again. And I also want to offer uh, your, your people and, uh, tuition to our summer camp program. And uh, may you and yours have a very Merry Christmas, and God bless.
1: Same to you as well. And thank you so very much for the interview and for the offer. Thank you so very much. Take right. care now. Bye-bye.